Today on Movie Wallace, we talk about Being the Ricardos, Cyrano, Don't Look Up, and Licorice Pizza. It's time for Movie Wallers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And Yazdi as well. Movie Wallers is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Woo! So we are, uh, this is live, coming live to you on New Year's Eve from the Movie Wallers studio in lovely, sunny, not so sunny, San Diego, California. Greetings. Hello. Happy New Year! Happy Indeed. New Year! <laughs> what better way to spend New Year's Eve? Correct. Talking about movies with my favourite people and oh. mediocre snacks. And no, a few hundred of our snacks. most favourite fans. Thank you. Thank you for all the applause. <laughs> our fake audience is so receptive to us. Yes, Very you gave the game away. <laughs> oh, all right. Audience, shut up. There we go. <laughs> Hopefully that was uh, a little bit of fun intro. Um, yeah, gosh, it's been a while since we recorded. Yeah. I, I was traveling. Yes. Mm-hmm. I did the back of an airplane thing now. You did. So I was for those. Uh, and you watched quite a few on the back of an airplane. You know, I did this time. Um, normally I kind of, you know, have that snoozy pass out phase. But uh, yeah, I had a transatlantic flight to the UK. Uh, saw my family. Everyone's well. Yay. Um, Yay. And then... Uh, yeah, on the way back, I watched, um, we had the neon screeners. Oh, nice. And so yeah. I was able to to bring a few of those along with me. And I watched a couple of gems, actually. Yeah. Um, we'll probably talk about them in the next podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, super fun. Um, and yes, sorry, that's a bit of a teaser. But we will talk about Worst Person in the World. And what was the other one? Petite uh, Maman. Petite Maman, which were both delightful movies. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. We have a ton to catch up on. Like, I mean, so much. It's ridiculous. Rashmi... Um, like in double digits. I was away for two and... Three weeks almost. Almost three weeks. Uh, and Rashmi was watching multiple movies per day. That's, yeah. that's how much That's how much you missed me. It is. It is. <laughs> I was yes, only he watching. had to rescue me and take me out to dinner <laughs> so I wouldn't turn square-eyed. That's true. And Yazdi, were you keeping up with your movie watching? Duties? I can only watch one a day, you know, with work and everything else. But I, uh, I, I, I could have watched more, but I just gave it, it to sleep. It gets exhausting. I have to say, it does get exhausting. And then I don't want to do a disservice to the movie by being crabby and sleepy. And yeah, but there are some movies which we'll get to it in subsequent podcasts where I broke it up into three sessions and watched it. Oh, but yeah, okay, we'll get to that. Yeah. Cool. All right, shall we um, let's jump dive in, in feet yeah, first? Yeah, let's um, jump Are we going to talk about streaming picks? No, we've got too much. There are next, next podcast. Next podcast, all right. So let's go. We have three, four, four movies to talk about. Being the Ricardos, Serrano, Don't Look Up, and Licorice Pizza. So shall we start with Being the, Being the Ricardos? We should. And let me give everybody an intro. So Being the Ricardos is... The latest from writer-director Aaron Sorkin. And these days, uh, he's in a bit of a disfavor. Everybody loves to hate on Sorkin. Um, maybe for good reason. And I haven't seen it, and you guys will tell me. But 
Um, he takes on the story of um, obviously Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz uh, during one tumultuous week, I believe, when they were having um, some problems with their marriage, even as Lucy was being um, uh, getting a really rough treatment, being uh, part of the Red Scare, considered possibly a sympathizer of, of oh, communism. Wow. Okay. And uh, I, I don't believe that actually happened, in, or those two events didn't happen at the same time in real life, but for the purpose of the movie, he's written them to have occurring on uh, around the same weekend. It's got a great cast. I remember that there was a lot of discussion when Nicole Kidman got cast as Lucille Ball because she was not the most obvious, at least at that time. So I think there's been a lot of scrutiny in terms of how she holds up to that. But okay. uh, she plays Lucy. Javier Bardem again. I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't have picked him to play uh, Desi Arnaz uh, from you know from the show. J.K. Simmons and Nina Arianda play um, William Frawley and Vivian Vance. You know who were both uh, uh, on the Lucy show and I Love Lucy. They were the neighbors. <clears throat> and then there's a you know other familiar names which round out the cast. It includes uh, Tony Hale, Alia Shawkat, uh, Jake Lacey, who we just saw in The White Lotus. And many others. Like I said, it's written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. So, Rashmi, you saw this. Tell us. Yeah, so, um, and a lot's been said about Javier Bardem, who's not Cuban, being cast as Desi as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, given he's um, Latin, but not Cuban. And there was talk about the fact that there are so many good Cuban actors out there, they could have got someone um, better or more appropriate. Look, I think... The, the problem I have with the movie is not Nicole Kidman or the cast um, or the politi po political um, education you get from it. it. It's definitely captured the time very well. It's like being in a time capsule. The problem I have with the movie is that those I Love Lucy shows were so joyful mm -hmm. and so funny. There is no joy in this movie. It's oh. joyless. And so it becomes um, a very I know difficult mean. film to watch. And in, in, in some sense, I wish it had just been a documentary. And I actually went back and tried to look for a documentary on the, on the Lucy and Desi stories. And there are plenty of them if you want to watch them. Um, so it's not a bad film. It's not even that it's the usual Sorkin, heavy dialogue you know, 500 words a minute. It's not even and that that's the problem. The problem is just that for a, for a character who was so wonderfully funny and articulate and clever, we just get this very dry story that goes from scene to scene. I mean, it's interesting. It's not awful. Um, it's good construction of story, but you can see the mechanics of it. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie. I've, I've been wanting to, but <clears throat> I, I that's what I've been hearing consistently, that the movie is very unpleasant for somebody as joyful, at least yeah. in people's minds and in legacy. So nobody wants to see a, you know, kind of a... Um, kind of a cynical look at the real Lucy, if you will, or, you know, the reality of what, what, she, what happened with her. Mm. But yeah, I mean, and it describes well, it, their relationship. But, but, and but is it one of those things of like, never meet your heroes, where that no. is the real Lucy? And I, I don't know, Joe. Okay. I, I, what yeah. I'm saying is that um, 
it's a very good capture of the time and the production is excellent and it's a great reveal about attitudes of the time. So it definitely sort of looks at her role as a, a boss lady in a sense, which is what she came to be on that show and how the rest of the cast came to see her. But it just lacks joy. Mm, it's a really dry rendition of probably what did happen or an amalgam of, of that. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots and lots of stories about, you know, how, how the show came to be. And I think Lucy was ahead of her time in terms of really taking Absolutely. reins over for her show and being responsible for it. Correct. Everything. And famously, I mean, I was one of our uh, San Diego film critics, Lance, did an interview with um, Ari- uh, Arianda, I'm saying, uh, uh, what's her name, who plays Vivian Vance. Uh, uh, um, anyway, it'll come to me in just a second. But um, Nina, oh, Nina, Nina, Ariane. Nina Ariande. And, and I was surprised to find out that it was generally well known in Hollywood that the actors who played, um, you know, their neighbors just hated each other. Correct. And they show that. Yeah. And I, I would have never guessed that, you know, J.K. Simmons, who plays uh, William Frawley, and then Viv- Vivian Vance, played by... Um, by Nina Ariande. So in real life, those two just hated each other's guts. They couldn't stand to be in the room together. Right. And they, wow. and they were playing husband and wife for <laughs> right. Like and they show and they show that interaction. Yeah. And um, again, I just think um, it, it it's not as great as it should have been given this cast and you know the direction and the writing. And uh, again, I think Nicole Kidman acts her heart out. Javier Bardem is excellent as Desi. Uh, J.K. Simmons. They're all excellent in their roles. It's just, it doesn't quite have the magic of something you would expect about Lucille Ball, who was such a revered character. So um, not bad, not excellent. I mean, I would put this solidly at like a six out of 10. And you were chatting about the, um, the Aaron Sorkin dialogue heavy stuff. So it doesn't do that, but I always find with Aaron Sorkin dialogue, it, I hear him. Not the character. Yeah, Is there and any maybe of that? that's what's wrong with it then. Okay, because yeah, I find him a little bit too. It's very exposition. Yeah, it's a lot of exposition, but it's it's good. It's good. It's not terrible, and definitely it's one that the whole family can watch together. I think. Cool. So I think people who love Lucy should watch it, but they should know that they shouldn't expect another episode of I Love Lucy. Right. It's kind of behind the scenes goings on and. It, particularly tumultuous part in her life. So yeah. if you want that door opened a little bit, then you should. Yeah, yeah. and I think um, if you are a Lucy fan, there's a few nuggets in terms of some actual scenes that were done and the mechanics of how those scenes came to be and the role that she played in crafting that scene, um, which that's interesting. So it's it's, again, I wish it had been a documentary in some mm. ways. All right. Moving on. Um, oh, Oscar nomination. Oh, for, yeah, it is that time you of know, year. I think um, maybe for production, mm, but I for feel the that the acting and um, all those other categories may be taken up by others that we're going to cover in the next few podcasts. Yeah. I, I The one that stood out to me was Javier Bardem. Hmm. That was the one that really stood out to me. He's annoyingly good when he He's wants to be. He's annoyingly good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I we all watched Lucy growing up, and you know, Desi, Desi Arnaz was such an angel-faced. You know, he was so sweet-faced, and so 
Javier Bardem is versatile and amazing and probably one of the best actors in the world, but I would not necessarily Never. consider him sweet face. So I, it was it jarred for me, not because he was Latin or not. I was like, there, I don't even see a physical resemblance. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, good anyway. stuff. All right. Next movie on the list then is Cyrano. Okay, I have the intro, intro to that one. Um, so... Did we need another Cyrano de Bergerac movie? We've had a lot of these in many, many years, but here we have in two, uh, 2021 um, a Peter Dinklage special. And this is um, the description, too self-conscious to woo Roxanne himself. Wordsmith Serrano de Bergerac helps young Christian nab her heart through love letters. So this uh, this um, is directed by Joe Wright, written by um, Edmund Ronstan and some others, and stars Peter Dinklage as Serrano, uh, Haley Bennett, Kevin Harrison Jr. Good to see him again. Mm -hmm. uh, ben Mendelsohn, Monica Dolan, and a whole host of others. And Yasi, you were the only one of us that saw this one. So worth another rendition? Uh, absolutely, 100%. I love this movie. I just, it's a Yazdi movie, uh, just through and through. I mean, I just, in the first five minutes, I settled in. And, you know, you, st it, you, you, know, you stop fighting the dog. You just walk where the dog goes. You go, you know, we, we've talked about this. Every, every movie is like walking a dog. And I just let this dog walk me where it wanted to go. Um, is it modern? Is it no. got like, has it been updated? No, so it's not updated at all. It's not modern. Um, but but I think there's two things that they have done. Um, one is, make no mistake, it is a musical. Okay, so, you oh, know, wow. the original Serrano de Bergerac story was a stage play. Um, so, and it's not musical in the way that, you know, open the door, bring me my tea. Everybody's not singing all the time, right? For okay. little things. They just burst into song every once in a while. But I think there are a good eight or nine songs. Uh, to my great surprise, the songs are all done by the group, The National. I don't know if anybody knows them. No. They are like a rock anthem kind of uh, very deep voiced. Uh, they've done songs. I love them. And it just immediately resonated for me because it's very modern sounding. All the songs are very modern sounding. The second thing that they've done, which is I think a stroke of genius, is that, um, you know, in the original Serrano de Bergerac story, Serrano is not very physically good looking. He has this horrible nose. He has a huge nose and he's therefore is very insecure. He doesn't feel like this beautiful woman will allow him to woo her. And they replace that physical imperfection with Peter Dinklage, who who is not his face is not physically um, uh, unappealing. It's that he's not he's you know he's he's of lower he's stature. Person, he's I a think. little person. Is that the correct term to yeah. use these days? So I think that works that works so well because instead of it just being about somebody crying about their nose, it it this truly has stakes. It's about would a beautiful statuesque fair lady in early times, you know, consider romantically being involved with somebody who is a little person. And mm -hmm. so it really works. Um, Joe Wright, the director, has done many movies. He yeah. did Atonement. He did uh, Pride and Prejudice. He did, uh, you know, the Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I love that movie mostly because I think of all the contemporary directors, I think Joe Wright is able to do swoon almost better than anyone else. This movie is so swoony and it's 
don't get me don't get me wrong this is not a sweet candy colored movie i you know it gets very serious and very dark towards the end and it you know the serrano original yeah, story the original story is does it's a tragedy it does not end well but um you i completely bought the whole pairing i i, I at every step of the way the songs are not just well choreographed they are exceptionally well choreographed and the songs add to the story they're not just there because somebody wrote a song and decided to throw it in very often multiple actors are singing at the same time um so i i i enjoyed it i actually came back and i downloaded three of the songs i mean after I not oh, came wow. back i downloaded three of the songs and there's one um that i play in my car all the time since i watch watch the movie gosh yeah so i i just really love it it's uh it's contemporary it's set you know in early times uh, haley bennett who we've been seeing a lot she she plays the lead um she's lovely and i i ached for the peter dinklage character because i could see how he you know they've grown up as best friends but she doesn't think of him romantically he for her for him she's everything and and that's made so real and you know mm. dinklage is so good at it and the other thing is dinklage is not a professional singer he's not great at it but it works here because mm. it adds to one more thing that he's not perfect right. at he's you know he's he's saying you know i can't even sing as well as she does so uh, just good stuff wow. i really liked it i i would recommend everybody watch it for sure and score 8 out of 10 easily wow. yeah 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 just across the board it's just it's a it's the kind of movie i think you can recommend to anyone mm unless if you're like a stone dead you know <laughs> anti romantic and there are people like that they're like I don't want to watch that um i think the music adds to it there's a lot of uh, criticism that the movie uh, didn't need it didn't need to be a musical well a lot of things don't need to be what they are but i think as this is it worked for me personally okay. so uh it's quite an achievement and lin manuel had nothing to do with the music or the dancing no. few no no <laughs> um yeah There's a song called Where I Fall and it's about different soldiers as they're going off to battlefield they're talking about letters they're sending to their loved ones and he's like it, it, it it's like you know I'm going to fall where I fall but this is what I have to say and it sounds so corny even as I'm saying I'm it but cry. but I cry every, I I come close to tears every time I listen to it Aww. on in my car so it's it's quite I I love that I love that movie Wow yes. okay I'm going to have to watch this then yes. any award love For me I, I prob I don't know if it's going to get any far I would definitely pick Peter Dinklage for best actor I mean he is phenomenal Yeah um I love the fact that the movie plays with um lots of issues which were prevalent at that time but the Kelvin Harrison Jr character nobody makes any issue of the fact that he is black Right it's just color blind um Kelvin Harrison Jr surprisingly comes off a little flat and he's never flattened in no. any of his other movies but I think um music score uh production design and then lead actor. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Movie number 3 of the week then is Don't Look Up. Okay. So Don't Look Up is the latest from writer director Adam McKay and Adam McKay made, you know, he had a start you know doing these stoner comedies with Will Ferrell old school and and uh was it Talladega Nights a whole bunch of he did Anchorman and so forth and then he kind of made this leap into the A list when he made The Big Short uh you know a few years ago and it was you know I really liked that movie it was 
it, it made a lot of very difficult concepts, very mm-hmm. easy to understand, and didn't it win the best film? I, I don't even remember. But I think it was nominated. It was nominated, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was the other movie. It was nominated at the same time as the movie about the the, the Boston priests. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that that other movie won the post. The, the no, it was anyway Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, um, so this is Adam McKay, and then Adam McKay did. Um, uh, Bush, uh, Weiss, about uh, George W. Bush, remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. one was not, it was kind of bumpy for me. And this is his third I movie. couldn't get through Weiss, yeah. yeah. Weiss was, like, so, too clever by far. Right. And this is the third movie in his self-professed, you know, trilogy of political movies. Uh, and essentially the, the premise of the movie is that two fairly... Spotlight. L- Spotlight. That was the movie which won the Oscar, yes, that year. Um um, so the premise of the movie is two low-level astronomers played here by very high-level actors, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Jennifer Lawrence, must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. Uh, Adam McKay is known to gather off late, uh, you know, pretty pretty strong casts, and this movie is no exception. No one less than Meryl Streep plays the president of the United States. Kate Blanchett shows up as a newscaster. Jonah Hill plays uh, the president's son. Uh, Mark Rylance is here. Ron Perlman. Timothy Chalamet, because, you know, he has to be in every movie in 2021. And <laughs> Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi are here. And then our favorite Melanie Linsky, who we like, like, like a lot, is here as well. So quite the cast. Michael Chiklis, Him- Himesh Patel, they're all here. Uh, this movie just landed on uh, Netflix, I believe, on Christmas Day. And so they've gotten a lot of people to watch it. Should those who haven't seen it rush out and get on their Netflix account right away? No, uh, but um, it's Netflix. So it's, it's really easy to do. And so I wouldn't like, you know, rearrange my day to watch this first. Uh, that said, if you're sat down, um, it's not a bad pick. Um it's very, it's very funny. It's very um, kind of a, it's, it's it's got a very self aware nature to it. It's very current in that it makes you know a lot of political jibes, a lot of jibes, satirical jibes at um, the way that the world is right now. Social media, the nature of how people are, people think, people can be influenced. Um, so yeah, it, it it's 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 very it, it it's just a little too clever for its own good. But then again, that could be a particular flavor of movie that I think um, you know either resonates with you or doesn't. So um, it's it's good, it's fun, it's and you know if I wouldn't say rush out to the cinema to go see this, but I would say yeah, sit down, open a beer, put this on, rush me. I love this movie. Mm. This is probably one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, It's deliciously dark and it's so beautifully and cleverly satirical. And um, I actually felt after I watched this exactly how I felt after Promising Young Woman last year. Mm. Like I'd watched something really different and special and just just so witty. on the surface, you can choose to watch it and it just feels silly, right? It's people playing dress up and all of the characters are more extreme um, than they need to be. But then when you look under the under the bonnet um, or the hood, 
there's so much to this, like Joe said. It's such a mirror to how society looks today. Um, and it's got, like, I would put this best ensemble, best mm-hmm. costume and dress and makeup. Yeah. Really? Yeah, costume. it's got... But isn't it contemporary? It is, but just the, it the feels, use it's, of... It's right. Yeah, the use of costume and makeup and hair design to magnify these characters' traits. For example, the Kate Blanchett character. Yeah, yeah. Just the the, the typical, the, the stereotypical, the pinnacle, the um, everything you think of when you think of a news anchor. Mm-hmm. A female news anchor. Female yeah. news anchor. Yeah. She she has, and it, and, it, and it's, you're right, Rashmi, it's not, the, obviously Blanchett nails the performance, but it's the look it, yeah, it's, it's it's so right. Yeah, same with um, Jennifer Lawrence is supposed to be a an, an astrophysicist PhD student, mm-hmm. and her haircut and the color of it and the the number of nose rings and just the sweaters. Yeah, the sweaters. Just <laughs> the attention to detail um, is just enhanced. Jonah Hill does a terrific performance um, of being like the the president's son. And carries like a, a Hermes Hermes Birkin bag. It's just hilarious. So again, on the surface, silly and throwaway. But when you really watch what's happening, it's a mirror of society today. I just, I love this movie. I can't wait to watch it again. And with that said, I mean, that's one of this movie's strengths. I think it it has enormous rewatch potential. Um, in the way that Anchorman and, you know, um, some of those movies do where, um, you know, the, the jokes will work again, <coughs> excuse me, the jokes will work a second time and a third time. You know, you don't need to, you know, in fact, knowing the punchline, I think, could make some of the jokes even funnier. Um, so it's got that, it's got that feeling of um, that there's, there's so much in here visually that you miss on first watch because like Rashmi said, it, it's packed with little nuggets. I mean, you know, there's, there's little pictures of things on desks that mm-hmm. occasionally they'll, they'll, you know, the president has a picture on her desk, which is, um, you know, a picture of her with Bill Clinton, um, you know, which says something about who that character is. And, you know, that, that one's one that they kind of draw attention to, but there are lots of little nuggets like that around yeah. every scene. Like Mark Rylance is playing a character who I've never seen him play before. It, it, everyone is just superbly acting their hearts out. It's it's great. I can't say enough. I love this movie. So the two criticisms I've heard about the movie, one, and I'm dying to see it, but the one criticism I've heard is that the satire is too on the nose and that it's not very sophisticated and they're like it's like you you are you are you know criticizing the obvious things you're just reaching for the low hanging fruit which it seems it's not the case and then the other thing people the other criticism i've heard is that it's just preaching to the choir so people are you know apparently this comment is supposed to represent climate change and the fact that we are not willing to do anything which is literally approaching us and is going to destroy our future and you know we the media and the politicians and everybody's turning a blind eye to it but i, I read a very interesting piece uh, in in variety where they said no well you you can use it for for climate change but you can use it just as easily for anything COVID, for anything you know anything where people are denying the obvious where you're not believing the science you're not believing you know, factual data and how the whole media circus and the political circus kind of, you know, is is 
is handling it. So, yeah. I, so that makes me makes it a lot more interesting to me. Agree. And yeah. and again, there's there's satire around those obvious things, but then there's also a deeper level of satire around how a news anchor and a news show pitches itself and how those people act and where they fit in society and who gives favors to who and how the world works. So um, really clever stuff, really but, clever. But to speak to the points yes, you made, I mean, it, it, it's not a subtle movie. No, it's right? not subtle. And there it, is the obvious, yeah. And it's, it's, almost, it's almost slapstick in the way that it handles some of these things. So, yeah, I mean, lack of subtlety is not something that yeah. uh, will ever be um, levied at this movie. I mean, it... It, it's really upfront with its fun poking, but it's that doesn't mean to say it's not clever about how it does it, right? So, sure. um, yes, there are some very obvious. You know, the, the president is clearly modeled after something. modeled after you know our most recent president, not the current one, right. uh, but he's he's he who right. shall not be named on this podcast. So it's it's very obviously done that way, and yeah, sure, there's a gender switch here, but all of the moments are like. Oh yeah, I remember when that happened. Oh my god, you know. So yeah, it's 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 not subtle in its approach. That said, you know it it does. Um, <laughs> even though everything's up front, there's still a lot to chew on, right? You find yourself thinking about moments from the movie afterwards, and you think, "Oh, that was kind of clever." It ends, you know, really funny, and you do have to wait for the post-credit scene. You know, again. A little bit slapstick, perhaps something they could have dropped, but it's still a very effective and funny gag. And, it, you know, we, we barely laughed, I think. Yeah, when, we did. When we two, saw it, we did. So. two separate people have told me it has one of the best endings. It does. Of any movie this <laughs> It year. really like, does. Well, that's high praise. I'll look, I'll look yeah. forward it. It really that. does. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I can, I can wrap this one Go up. Go for it. Don't look up. Don't look down. Go to your television set. Turn on your Netflix account and watch this movie immediately. Easily for me, nine out of ten. No. Whoa. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it so much. This is a Rashmi movie. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Same as, you know, like Serrano is a Yasti movie. Yeah. This is 100% a Rashmi movie. Yeah, I mean, if is, is satire a genre? If it was, I think, Rashmi, sure. you would you would definitely, um, you yeah, the what was the one we watched? The Death of Stalin. Yeah. Things like that, they, that tickle you. They just tickle me, yeah. For me, um, yeah, I mean... I've spent most of the last two or three years with my head buried in the sand. And so, you know, a, a news satire um, is something that is, uh, yeah, a little close to, a little too close to home. So I didn't quite enjoy it as, as much as, as Rashmi did, but um, it's very clever. I admire the movie a lot. I think the jokes do work. Um, for me, it would be on a good day and eight out of 10 today I'm the way I kind of feel about it I'm going to say that's more like a seven mm -hmm. um, but it's so easy to watch it's fabulously entertaining and you're right I mean if your political persuasion leans even slightly to the right um, don't switch on like <laughs> you won't you, you know it, it no don't look up not don't switch on that's uh, that's what I'm saying don't <laughs> um, so anyway but yeah, I, tremendous fun. Okay, moving on. Final movie of the podcast then is Licorice Pizza. So um, I will quickly Google this so that I can. But this is and while you're yeah, mm. go on. 
Well, go ahead, Yasti. No, while you're looking that up, I was, I was going to also say that the one good thing about Don't Look Up is it's just barely a few minutes over two hours. So, you know, it's quick, brief, right? So, And it moves fast. Mm. Sorry, I put a, oh, a snack in my mouth. But, you know, anytime Jennifer Lawrence and Meryl Streep and Leonardo DiCaprio's names come up, there's always Oscar talk. But I, I'm not seeing so much of this because I think... This is so fast and rapid that nobody gets a chance to really kind of dig down and, you know, do a big acting showcase. Jonah right? Hill and, and Mark Rylance mm-hmm. are the two standout performances for me. Oh, I mean, the, the entire cast is... The entire it, cast, it's, yeah. It's like... It, Kate Blanchett is... Everyone's in it and everyone's great. And Tyler Perry is in it. Yes, and he's really funny. Ariana Grande is like a, a, a exact clone of her pop personality. Quite, quite funny. All right, Licorice Pizza... Um, thank you for filling while I Googled <laughs> my page that I should have done. So um, this is the latest movie from the mind of Paul Thomas Anderson, um, a um, sometimes difficult to love director, but nonetheless one with a superb CV. Um, there Will Be Blood, uh, The Master. What was the one last year with Daniel Day-Lewis or a year or two ago with the uh, the, the designer? Um, oh, Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread. Which you love. Which I, 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 yeah. So he's very hit or miss. You know, like There Will Be Blood is is up there in terms of movies that I really admire. Boogie um, Nights. <coughs> Magnolia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Punch Drunk. Love all kinds of movies, yeah. But then there are movies like The Master, which I find incredibly intolerable, insufferable. So, um, nonetheless, this is the latest from his mind. He wrote and directed this. Um, movie um, has a great cast. I think people are always lining up to star in Paul Thomas Anderson movies. But um, we have uh, Sean Penn, Bradley Cooper, Ben Safdie, um, Alana Haim, Cooper Hoffman, and others. And the very simple... Um, almost one line uh, synopsis here from uh, Rotten Tomatoes is Alana Kane and Gary Valentine grow up, run around and fall in love in California's San Fernando Valley in the 1970s. So um, that's pretty cryptic. Can somebody tell me what this movie was yeah, about? Yeah, and just a point of note. Uh, this is apparently based loosely on the real life of a guy called Gary Gutzman. Um who was a real child actor. So yeah. Yeah. just a bit of context. And also that uh, the male lead, the young male lead is uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who did a lot of movies with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. It's his son. Ah. Ah, okay. So Cooper Hoffman is Philip Seymour Hoffman's grown son. And Alana Haim, who plays the female lead, is one of the three sisters in the famous Haim. It's an indie rock band. And Paul Thomas Anderson has directed a lot of their videos for their songs, and he liked her enough that he gave her the lead part in his movie. Interesting. Yeah. That was your E! True Hollywood moment. Yes. Well, I just found out that and Rashmi. Paul Thomas Anderson was romantically involved with Fiona Apple for many years, and he directed a bunch of her videos too. So oh, and now he is now he's with married uh, to uh, Maya, Rudolph. Maya Rudolph. Yeah, he yeah. gets around. And they have four kids, or something, three at least. They got busy. Yes. All right. So, Yasti, Tell us about ahead. the movie. So um, <clears throat> he his his very last movie I think was Inherent Vice, which remember that movie? Uh, the, I, I just barely really made difficult, it yeah. really difficult. And uh, everything that I read about this movie before I actually saw it felt to me like this is Inherent Vice Part Two because it's set in the sixties, seventies. It's got these characters. It doesn't seem to have a story. You know, it's it's kind of loose and you know so forth. 
And the movie is all of those. It's very loose. It's got many characters. It's almost entirely devoid of a plot. And as much as I wanted to hate it, I could not hate it. I actually like this movie. I don't know that I am in love with it. But, you know, he is a master at what he does. And it's very, very entertaining. Even as formless as it is, it kind of... There's some very interesting things which are going on here. And sometimes I I didn't know, is this going for... what? What is this tone meant to be? Is this supposed to be funny? Is this supposed to be a slice of life? Is it... Is it an observation? Are you documenting something? So the tone gets kind of weird many times. Um, having said that, I mean, I'm really glad I watched through it. It is a very long movie. I kind of sat through the whole thing. I, I enjoyed it, but I don't know, like I said, that I'm in love with it. I The other thing is, you know, there are many movies we watch which may be set in a different time, in a different place, but we see our own life in that. And we see universal, I can never say the word, universality in it, universalness in it. Universality. Universality, thank you. Um, I did not see any universality in it. There's nothing, no character in this movie that I could kind of say my life was like this mm. or when I was growing up or whatever. So I was always watching it from a little bit of a distance. Yeah, but it's but it's Paul Thomas Anderson, yeah. That's a really good summary, Yasti, and I don't disagree with anything that you said. I would add, however, um, I would put it, if I had to put it in a genre, I would call it an unusual coming-of-age movie. Sure. Um, it's interesting. It's funny. It's more of a feeling, which I think is yeah. a reflection of the incredible production. Yeah. The production <clears throat> of this movie is phenomenal. You are transported to the 60s. Totally. Um there's too much music packed in though, right? Like everything is set to funky music, mm. um, which is not bad, but it gets awfully tiring after a while when you have that constant soundtrack playing. Um, it's beautifully shot. It's quirky. And I would say borders on preciousness at times. Oh, wow. that's um, And it feels more like a Wes Anderson than a Paul Thomas Anderson movie to me because it's so beautifully shot um, and it's very precise yeah. in the way that the story kind of moves. Um, there are so many small throwaway but incredibly funny <laughs> characters yes, in yeah. here that are the throwaway characters that in the end it just becomes this mishmash of things happening. Like you said, Yazdi, I like the way you said it's unformed. Yeah. But there's a great role in here for Bradley Cooper. Mm. He so steals <laughs> the show for that one scene he's in or the couple of scenes he's in. He, he's the thing I remember about the movie. He's brilliant. Yeah. If everybody else was on the same wavelength that he was, this would have been a hilarious movie. But yeah. he, he's bringing some kind of weird energy to it, which yeah. I wish the rest of the movie had. But it's very intentionally not like that. But yeah, he brings... He's amazing so, for like he's, the seven minutes he has of screen time. And he is he's also, phenomenal. He's also based on a real person yes. who lived at the time in the 70s. He was like a hairdresser to very famous actors and musicians at that time. And Married to Barbara Streisand. Right. Oh, wow. So And Sean Penn is here. Yeah, so like strange. there's a lot of cameos <laughs> and a lot of little roles. I mean, overall, and again, it does this really clever thing where, uh, and I'm not giving anything away, 
it talks about what's going on in the world at the time. And so in that time, there was an oil crisis mm -hmm. and it was impacting the waterbed business because vinyl is a byproduct of oil production. And there wasn't enough. And there wasn't enough. And so the price of waterbeds went up. So again, <laughs> it's kind of interesting and relevant to now in some ways. So he does try to make parallels to our world today in some ways, but it's not, it's too subtle. It's too subtle. In the end, it just becomes about this, in essence, unbelievable affair between two people and a, and a guy who is um, besotted by this girl. Yeah, the whole movie is a vibe. Yeah, it's a feeling. Just, it's just a feeling. And I think if I had grown up in Los Angeles mm -hmm. in the 70s, this would be my groove. I would be like, oh, somebody's recreated my childhood. And clearly yes. Paul Thomas Anderson is recreating his childhood. That music... Right. That a lot of it, I mean, I grew up in the 70s, but I grew up in India and I saw that music was not familiar to me. So, yes, it does become like the, the needle drops are incessant. I think the other very interesting thing the movie does is, and we haven't seen enough of it, is that the female lead, if you want to call her that, um, is a full 10 years older than the male lead in the movie. And so he's 15 when he first sees her and he's this super confident kid who is like, I like you and I want to spend time with you. And she's like, dude, you are 10 years younger than me. Why would I even hang out with you? So there's a very interesting, unusual kind of dynamic to the two of them, which is very innocent and sweet. And a lot of the time, at least through the first two thirds of the movie, it I had fun thinking, well, what does... She, what does she see in him and what does he see in her? Like, what what is in it for her to be behaving this way? And I think that that kind of imbalance that, are, that is brought in because of this gender reversal and this age reversal kind of plays pretty interestingly. Um, but it's also a little creepy to me. It, it, it bothers that, that she's a 25-year-old and that she's got this 15-year-old pursuing her. So at times it borders on creepy and I don't know if that's just a reflection of you know, what we're hearing about Me Too and inappropriateness and I don't know. It, it's it's a funny movie. Yeah. Funny, strange. And I was very impressed with Alana Haim. Yeah, she's very good. I mean, she's a very, very confident presence. I mean, this is her first movie and obviously I was she's say, done. I don't know her. She's done a lot of music videos for the band that, you know, she and, and her two, sisters she who are in the band sisters, are in yeah. the movie as her sisters. Oh, I did not know yeah, that. The, the, oh, the other two sisters were her, her sisters. actual sisters. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. But she is a very likable, because she's not traditionally model-like. And, you know, she doesn't have, uh, you know, your your Miss World kind of features. But but there's something very pleasing and likable. And, you know, I, I'm very eager to see what, what you know, the film world does with her. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I like seeing that. Yeah. So I would, I would give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, again, if I grew up here and if, I, if, if things resonated more with my own childhood, it would uh, carry a lot more weight. Um, right now, it's a little bit fluffy. I Like I said, it's a higher bar because I wanted to hate this movie and I did not. It wouldn't let me hate it. And it's kind of fun and a good, yeah, like there's a good 45 minutes in the movie about waterbeds, which is so yeah. random. <laughs> it is so random. Like they, they they decide to form the first company which sells waterbeds in Los Angeles. And there's a whole kinds of shenanigans around that. So it's odd. It's unusual. It's a fun watch. I, I mean, there are a lot of film reviewers. Peter Travers and Rolling Stone calls it the best movie of the year. Not for me. Um, not the best movie of the year, but but maybe in, in the top 20. 
Seven out of ten. Sorry. Same score. Seven out of ten. I think it's probably about twenty minutes too long. It's two hours and thirteen minutes. I think if it had been a little bit better edited, it would have been even better. Um, definitely not the best movie of the year, but it's a good movie. It's very entertaining. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I. Th- I mean, this sounds very appealing to me. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but um, it, it, the the is it anything like Terrence Malick's Song for Song, where it's the one that everyone hates, but well, I like no. it's wrapped up it's around not a as romance? Ethereal. And, no, okay. It's not ethereal at all. It's like, it's, okay. it's very... It's very grounded. It's very, very, very... Yeah, very grounded. It feels very contemporary in its production. Okay. Because there's a lot of talking. People are constantly talking over okay. each other, and you know, his, her sisters are talking, and they're talking with people, and they're screaming. It's, it's very... It's like almost like a Woody Allen and a... Wes Anderson mixed up in a pot. <laughs> okay. Uh, did you get that kind of uh, some I, of those scenes in the I'm family now much home? Less drawn to this movie. Than I don't see. I, I don't see the Wes Anderson bit, but yeah. But Just the way that it's filmed at certain points, yeah. I was like, wow, he's really taken time to like set that shot up and the, the I, symmetry and that. I think the production design is so exquisite. It's Somebody exquisite. has spent. I don't know, months, years trying to get it just like that, how it used to be in the 60s yeah. and 70s that I think he made sure that, you know, you, I was even, you there's see a that lot on the screen. Of, yeah, and yeah. there's a lot of street scenes, yeah. Joe, and I was looking in the background, it's flawless. And I don't wow. know if they use CGI. I, I always wonder, like, do they digitally erase, like, somebody walking with a cell phone or something? Because it looks like off the time. Yeah. And I don't wow. know how they do it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's a good immersion. It's a very shaggy movie, but, but, What's wrong with Shaggy yeah. movies? I wouldn't be surprised if this makes it in the top yeah. 10. Yeah, for Oscar love. For Oscar love. Okay, yeah, no, it's reviewed incredibly well. Yeah, so. it, it's, but like Yassi said, it's not, it's not my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the lead actors got some recognition. I, I wouldn't personally nominate them, but I, I would understand if they did. And Bradley Cooper, even for his Bradley eight, Cooper eight for supporting, I deserves, think, well. Deserves a best support. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, he's a chameleon. He's blasting on you know all cylinders <laughs> during those nine minutes. It's just go for broke. Yeah. yeah. All right, time to endeth the podcast. Let's bring back our studio audience. Um. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> it's New Year's Eve. It is New Year's Eve. In fact, yeah, it's about an hour away from the UK going midnight. So. I expect our phones will start buzzing. Uh, in an hour's long, time. So. Until then, um, gosh. Gosh, more will the podcasts. next one be in 2022? Or will you get these out? Uh, well, I doubt I'll get this one out <laughs> yeah. in uh, 2021. <laughs> so, yes. Um, there, there, there will all be next year releases. Gosh, next year. All right. Um, until our next podcast, which will be right on the heels of this. Too many movies, too little time. A goodbye from me. And me. And me as well. <laughs>